podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The tenth time they've made it! They've won a playoff campaign! And they've done it away with! And for the first time in 74 years, Brentford will play in the top flight of English football! Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Elam Road Podcast, where on tonight's show... We're going to be going through that fantastic win over Burnley at the weekend, as well as doing a little throw forward to Chelsea on Saturday. Uh, joining me this evening is, after a short stint away, is Craig. Craig, how's holiday, mate? All good? Yeah, mate, lovely. Had some nice hot weather out in Barcelona and come back to the, the dreary coldness of the UK. So, ah, mate, love it, love it. Yeah, no, it's kind of turned, I've, I've realised, over the last week or so in England. It's just gotten a little bit colder and it's starting getting well, dark at like 5pm now. <laughs> I know, I know, nightmare. Uh, Dan, Dan's also back, mate. How you doing? All good, yeah. Much better after the weekend. Yeah, exactly that. So exactly that. Just before we get going, guys, remember if you haven't listened to the podcast before, please do uh, subscribe to our YouTube and Spotify channels, leave a rating as well, and also give us a follow on our socials. That's at the Elam Road on Twitter and at Elam Road Pod on Instagram. Right, let's just get straight to it. Burnley. First of all, Craig. We mentioned a couple of episodes ago that it's felt like such a long time since we've actually won a game. Obviously, going back to that that three and a win over Fulham on the second week of the season, did did that make the victory on Saturday feel much better? I went into it thinking we've got to win. I know it's so yeah. early in the season, but I went into that game thinking we've got to win it. We've got to win it, and to come out of it winning three 0 I thought we were fantastic. To be honest, much deserved win as well. Yeah, exactly, much deserved. Dan, I've seen shouts for best performance of the season so far. Are we agreeing with that? I thought we were really good against Fulham. Um, but to be fair, I mean, it was a pretty flawless performance. I think Burnley had one sort of chance in that first half where Andouni kind of tests out Fleckham, but besides that, not too much of note. Yeah, it's hard not to agree with that, obviously considering some of the results we've had. Um, like I said before, I think we've played well in some games, but not necessarily got, got the result. But the difference this week was, you know, taking chances, not necessarily the easy chances, but, you know, we scored some really good goals that, you know, we... You know, don't normally score. It's quite rare to see us get two two absolute bangers like that. You know, um, yeah. So yeah, I guess it must be yeah up there. Yeah, definitely. I was kind of thinking before. Well, just over the course of the season, I haven't seen a spectacular goal like Godos's in a while. Is that, I don't know if I'm forgetting one, but from out, outside of the box, like a rocket like that, I think it's been a long time since I've seen one like yeah. that. I can remember um, a few against us, but not for yeah. us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, before we get to the goals, we do need to talk about VAR again. Uh, every week it seems like we're talking about VAR. I still can't quite wrap my head around why the decision to rule out uh, Mope's goal stood. Um, obviously, what they flagged for is Aya being offside, which he is, but he's interfering with play by holding back the Burnley player at the back stick. Uh, apart from that, the goal was fine. Um, Nathan Collins kind of Push, pulls it back across goal, more pays out the back stick. Obviously, it would have been great for more pay to get his first goal. But, Craig, you messaged me in the week. I know you've got some thoughts on it, so so I'll let you fire away, mate. So, I just want to start with who controls the scoreboard or who controls the board at Brentford? Because when they've done the VAR decision, it was posted that Collins was the player that was offside. So, everyone's then looking at the videos of the goal that was scored, can see Collins is clearly a yard onside... So everyone's looking at it, considering it an, a very incorrect VAR decision once again. 
if it had been labelled as Aya to start with, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. But it's for start. So, so the first point is they've labelled the wrong player. They've labelled the wrong player. And then the second point is he's not involved in the build-up of the goal whatsoever. The defender, it almost looks as if the defender's pushing him away from goal anyway. So whether Collins was going to miss the ball or what, Aya wasn't going to get to it. So there's no interference with play whatsoever from him. And I don't know what Michael Richards is talking about on match of the day either. They kind of they kind of just brushed it off. They just kind of skipped over it. They were like, yeah, you can clearly see he's interfering with play, and then they just kind of moved on. I was thinking, because when when you watch the footage back, the the Burnley player doesn't protest whatsoever. There's no like clear kind of tug of his arm, and I'm I'm just thinking if the Burnley player's not protesting, that kind of tells the whole story. If 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 he's not actually going to the referee and saying he's holding me back there, and it was just so soft, Dan. It, I mean, I, I was looking at it and I've watched it over and over again now. Yeah, and I, I was I, thinking all sorts. I was thinking Collins and Aya, they look quite similar. Maybe <laughs> been a, a little um, miscommunication there. And then I was thinking, I know they don't like to overturn things unless it's cl- a clear and obvious error. But when the linesman flagged, was he flagging thinking the person who headed it was offside? Or was he flagging thinking that Aya was holding him back? Because I would say it's more likely maybe to be the first one. In which case... That is obviously an error. And the linesman should at least be asked then, okay, well, they should at least be asked to go and watch it and see, you know, make a judgment for themselves whether Ayers holding up play but or interfering with play. Normally when I see these kind of things, the player who's interfering is like in the goalkeeper's eye line or, you know, in a player's eye line and stopping them from like playing an action. But that I've never seen one like this before where he's like behind the play. It, it was very, yeah, very weird. Do you know what it reminds me of, just as we're talking about it? You know our goal against Arsenal at the Emirates last season, where Pinnock is kind of involved in a kind of scuffle with Gabriel, but they, but VAR's decided, and to be fair, like I think we got the benefit of the doubt with two kind of parts of that decision, because Pinnock and, Pinnock and Gabriel were kind of having their own little tussle, and obviously they missed the offside where Norgard pulls it back for Tony. But... If they're if they're given if they're if they're looking at that Pinnock situation and saying mm, no he's not interfering with play I think we're fine on that count, but they're looking at Ayer and thinking the opposite. It's just like the consistency, it's it's every week, and I hate talking about refs every every week. It just really just gonna gets away. Thank God in this game it was quite inconsequential in that we went on one three nil. First goal comes from a bit of good work from Onyeka, who someone that I've mentioned on the podcast been getting on my nerves. You as well, Craig, but. Do we have to give him his flowers um, from his performance on Saturday? Credit where credit's due. That was probably on Yekka's best game for a very long time. I- I've mentioned before we've got a bit of a running joke where we are about how long it's going to be before on Yekka's rolling around on the floor for one reason or another. 31 minutes was the first, this one. 31 minutes. <laughs> 31 minutes. And I think it's going to be the last time I do that because that was a long time I <laughs> to hit the deck. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, he's won the ball back in the middle of the park for Malpe to play that ball through to Mbappe. So credit where credit's due, Onyeka was brilliant on Saturday. Yeah, thought you mentioned uh, Neil Mopé. Thoughts on thoughts on his performance, Dan? I, I thought that was uh, he's, and to be fair to him, he's not he's had quite limited opportunity since coming in, obviously cup tied and can't play for his loan for his loan parent club. 
Um, didn't really see any of the ball at Newcastle, but it wasn't really his game coming up against like big fucking Dan Byrne and whatever. Um, but I did think against Forest, he, he played relatively well, but I feel like Burnley, even though he didn't score and he had the goal chalked off, that was a pretty complete performance, would you say, Dan? Yeah, yeah, I like him. I don't think he's ever going to be that guy who scores 15, 20 goals. He's not going to replace Tony in that sense, but in terms of his work rate, in terms of what he does off the ball, in terms of how he links up with players, like he's part of the team performance. And at Everton, you can see why he probably didn't fit in. Their style's a bit different. You know, they like you know a big guy up front who they can launch balls at, and obviously he's not that guy either. But in terms of like being part of a fluid front three with Wisser and Brian, then... Yeah, he he, yeah, definitely. He's like he fits in. And to be honest, if that offside goal wasn't offside, which we don't think it was, then would he have scored the second one when he was through on goal? Um, you know, just because confidence, um, he may have. So yeah, we won't know, but he may have. Yeah, when he, when he kind of went through on goal, he never really looked convinced. It never really looked like he was going to score. Um, kind of the ball he doesn't really take it forward enough. His touch is a bit loose. And then it kind of did give me flashbacks to the goal against Leeds. Was it in a similar situation when he kind of toe pokes it around the keeper when he's quite far out of the box and the goalkeeper like comes out? It kind of reminded me of that. But it's, it's funny that you mentioned sort of how good he is at being in that front three when they're kind of interchangeable in a very fluid attack. That's a, that's a nice way of looking at it because I never really thought about it before. I, I knew that he was good at hold-up play and I remember sort of thinking in the championship days for such a small guy... He's actually his link-up play is actually really good, and he, he does hold the ball up quite well, um, especially when he's coming up against centre backs that aren't six foot five like Dan Byrne or whatever. Um, but no, it's a good point. I think once he gets that goal, obviously it's a shame that he didn't get it on on Saturday. Once he gets that goal, I'm hoping that they start to flow. But I feel like even if they don't, his performance on 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 Saturday facilitated some of the best performances all season from from Wisser and Mbumo. Craig, we'll get on to Mbumo because. In the last couple of best days, it's me especially, I have to put my hands up here. I've been giving him some stick. Um, thought he had a stinker against United in the previous game. I didn't think he was that good either. But was that Brian at his best on Saturday? Man of the match, performance, uh, goal and assist. Was that him at his best? He just seemed so incredibly comfortable once again. You, we saw him against United and we saw him at Forest and whatnot. And he just... He looked leggy, he looked tired, he looked lethargic. But he just seemed to... I know he played international football, but over this break he seems to have become a bit more, you know, a bit more energetic, a bit more out there, a bit more up for it, it almost seems as well. Um, cracking pass for Wiss's goal. Unbelievable pass across goal. I thought he was going to shoot, but he made the right decision on his right foot. Cracking ball across goal. And then, yeah, the finish that he's put in the top corner was just fantastic. And what a little layoff from Neil as well. We talk about Malpe's hold-up play. What a little play, little layoff for Embuemo to just whip it into the top corner. Fantastic. Yeah, I think um, we've we've always kind of talked about Embuemo on this podcast, especially last season. But when he is at his best, I honestly don't think it's an overstatement to say he's one of the, one of the more dangerous, not one of the most, but one of the more dangerous players in the league, but it's just a case of that consistency. We kind of saw it in the first two games of the season against Tottenham and against against Fulham. But after that, he's kind of plateaued, and it, this is kind of the this is what we see with Mbumo throughout throughout when he's played for us. Apart from that amazing season in the Championship, when he was ten out of ten every week. But first season in the Prem, 
kind of up and down, second season in Prem, kind of up and down. But when he is consistent, he is, Dan, one of our, well, he is our most important player this season, for sure. Yeah, um, I think he's definitely getting better, and I think his numbers show that. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't improve again on last season this year. And obviously last year he improved quite a lot on the first season of the Premier League. Um, yeah, I think you know he's he's got to enjoy being the main man now. He's got to enjoy stepping up and um, being that player for us. And I think he can. I think even when when Burnley broke and there was like four of them and their, their striker their striker missed basically an open goal, I think he was one of the first like back. And I think he was one of the one of the ones that like, collapsed on the floor at the uh, at the end. But um, you know that just shows how hard he's willing to work and, you know, how much running he does and, you know, probably why he was a bit leggy um, in the last few games. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's very important to us, um, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Craig, let's let's talk about the Sam Angodos goal. We, we wouldn't be doing the... We wouldn't be doing him justice if we didn't. Don't think he could have caught it any cleaner, that one. Absolute thunderbolt. It just... He only scores great goals. Apparently, you know, I mean, you look at the last goal he scored for us in the Premier League, which was against, lo and behold, Burnley at Turf Moor in that awful 4-1 defeat, which was the first season, I think, in the Premier League. Yeah, because yeah, they got relegated, yeah. didn't they? First season. Yeah, scissor kick, unbelievable goal. And then, yeah, Saturday, uh, Sunday, Saturday, Jesus, Saturday. Unbelievable. <laughs> like, gosh, all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, no, only scores bangers against Burnley. But to be fair, when we signed um, Godos, was it from Ostersons or was that the club? If that was the club where he started with Potter, I can't, I can't I remember. That's where he was. But wasn't he going through a bit of turmoil where he didn't have a club and whatnot for a little bit as well? Yeah, something like that. But anyway, I was watching the thing that you do when you sign a new player and watching like a compilation of of his goals. And he did. It looked like he did that every bloody week with the previous club he was playing for. So I'm good. It's good that he's got that long shot out of his system. And uh, definitely one for the football purists. So we just clear this up. What, what's your thoughts on that? Is a half volley correct? That is yeah. the only that is the only definition of a half volley when it bounces up quickly. Because I see people labelling, you know, when it bounces and there's a second and it can take a touch. But when it's a half volley, it bounces, and as soon as it bounces up off the ground, you smack it. And that's a half volley, correct? He's almost yeah, he's almost hitting it as the ball hits the ground. Yeah. So yeah. as it's just rising, he's hit the ball, caught it so sweet, as you say. Yeah, I think uh, the definite the definition of a best. Do you remember um, Thiago? Is it Alcantara? Alcantara's goal for Liverpool. I know in exactly the... which goal you're talking about. <laughs> that the is the most. From that was always, <laughs> the question from that goal was always, did it touch the ground? I don't know if you remember know, yeah. that. It just kind of moved. Yeah, I know. It, it kind of like glides over. Yeah. Oh, yeah, unreal. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I think we need to be careful about taking too much from the game on Saturday because Burnley were very poor, quite unexpectedly too. I remember saying on the pod last week that I wasn't too confident going into the game and fully expected them to kind of come to the G-Tech and maybe dominate the ball considering how companies company wants the team to play. But they just looked really nervous. A couple of times they gave it away at the back. Obviously, one of those led to a chance. One of them, you could say, led to a goal because they were kind of dicking around with it in midfield. Um Dan, we were very good. We were, like you said, best performance of the season. But with the run of games we've got coming up, was it just kind of vital that we got the three points against what was a very poor Burnley side? Yeah. I mean, I think Burnley reminded me a bit of Norwich when they obviously stormed the championship. They did it twice and they come up and they don't really change their style. <clears throat> and obviously they find it much harder in the in the Premier League. Um, yeah, it, it, it was crazy. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think it... Um, 
takes pressure off us in the next few games. And as a result, we might be more likely to get something in the next few games. Um, I know we've got West Ham at home soon. We've got a very good record against them. We've also got a very good record at Stamford Bridge. Um, but that doesn't mean we're going to keep winning those games every year. Um, especially as both of those teams have probably improved this season. Um, so it's still going to be tough. We know we're still quite good against the top teams. Sometimes, you know, we're better against the top teams and we'll set up differently, um, you know, to cater to those games. But, you know, like we said before, that to stay up, you've got to be getting the better of those around you. Because, you know, if they had beaten us, we'd be level with them now. And now we sit here six points ahead. So that's the value in it. And, you know, that's why it, that's why it was so important. Craig, can we can we take too much from from how good we were on Saturday, or is that is that a dangerous game to play? No, I don't think at all. I think you just said it yourself, where you weren't too confident going into this game, but the performance that we put in and the result that we're taking away from it, the players will take an untold amount of confidence from it based on the results that we've had previously, especially going into this run of games that we've got. Confidence, it won't be massively high, but it will be higher than where we were. And it's just one of those little boosts that we need going into a difficult period. Yeah, I think uh, you could tell at half-time when, you know, Brentford released that, those like videos on, on the Twitter, not half-time, sorry, full-time, when they released the videos on the Twitter account of like the players going into the tunnel, you can tell that that, mean, that win meant a lot. Lots of, um, lots of hugs. It looked, like it looked like there was a lot of pressure being taken off. And kind of... It's, you raise a good point because it is kind of like we've had Christian Norgard coming out over the last few games and saying, you know, the performances are there, the performances are there, the results will come. It felt like that was Saturday was kind of vindication for that kind of talk around, you know, the performances, performances have been there, but so far we haven't got the results. And on Saturday, there was the best performance of them all and we come out, come out with it with three points. So with that in mind, we'll, we'll, we'll go on to Hot Topic and then we'll talk a little bit about Chelsea as well, unless there was anything else you, you two wanted to chip in with, with Burnley. Yes. There is one thing I want to chip in. Neil Malpe, we spoke about him earlier on. I don't know, has anybody seen his Instagram post? He posted on Instagram after the game and it was, I love the performance, I love this club. Oh yeah, I did see that. Obviously not very happy about it, saying you love a club that you're on loan at. at. I just think it's brilliant. He's Brentford through (laughs) and through. I'm here for it. 100%. No, he's... uh... He can't, I don't think he could do any wrong. Like he could probably he could probably play a few more times this season, maybe score a couple of goals, and we'll still love him afterwards. Um, right, hot topic this week's hot topic's got a bit of a Brentford spin on it. Um, David Raya, centre of attention at Stamford Bridge last weekend. All the wrong reasons, though. First of all, goalkeeper Craig, uh, I'll come to you first on this one. What were your thoughts on on Raya's positioning for that Madrid Madrid goal? When we when. We watched Raya play, and we've done it for so many years while he was our goalkeeper. The one that comes to my mind is the Fulham goal in the playoff final. You could tell, no matter who he plays for or who he's playing against, he has such an advanced position as a goalkeeper that he leaves himself susceptible to these sort of goals. You know, I, I remember a few. I remember a few that we conceded like that, or. I can think. I'm thinking of Middlesbrough away, where a ball's come in and he's kind of come for it and flapped for it, and it's gone in. Uh, that was during one of the COVID seasons, I think. But he plays such a high line as a goalkeeper that these things are going to happen, and it's almost as if no matter which goalkeeper you are, you make mistakes. <laughs> you know. So maybe we could get off Fleckens back a little bit. 
I know Flecken. Yeah, we, we should we talk about? Let's go back. Let's go back to Burnley. Let's let's talk a bit about Flecken because um, he saved everything that was put in front of him. Distribution, I thought, was a lot better. Dan, is it? I don't. I don't know because we kind of talk about Flecken every week now. There was there was kind of people calling for Strakosha to start after Man United with how well he played. Um, but obviously, Fle- no, you're not having that, Craig. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. People are blowing so much smoke up Strakosha's ass just because they don't <laughs> like the performance that Flecken's putting in. Yeah, people are saying that Strakosha commanded his box and he held everything. Did he fuck? Did he fuck? <laughs> if he had held on to the shot that came straight at him, may I add, straight at him for for United's first goal, we would have lost that game two one. If he'd have just held the ball rather than patting it out straight into the centre to Scott McTominay, we wouldn't have lost that game. People have got such an agenda against Flecken that no matter what Strakosha did, he would have been better. He would have been better than Flecken. It's yeah. wrong. It's stupid. I'm sorry. And that's going to rattle so many people. It's going to stir so much shit. But I'm sorry. They are blowing so much smoke up his ass just because they don't like what Flecken's done this season. Don't worry about rattling other people, mate. That's what that's what podcasts are for. They're supposed to be controversial. I've seen some absolutely awful takes on podcasts this week. Um, I posted it on on the Elam Road Twitter account. This dumb dumb guy Did saying you uh, how you can be a, how you can be a proper football fan when you support like League Two sides. Oh my god, it's the worst. But we're not as stupid as that. We're not as stupid as that. We ha- we have well informed opinions, and sometimes you might agree, sometimes you might not. But anyway, something that I think is uh, unanimous. Dan, did, did Mudrick mean that? Because I've seen a few people actually trying to say that he did. Uh, I've watched it back a couple of times now, and even though when I was watching it on on Super, on, on Saturday, he, it doesn't look like he looked up, but then I've seen a different angle from it, and it does kind of look like he has a little look at Raya when he's going down the left. What do you, what do you think? I don't know if he was looking at the keeper or if he's just looking at, you know, who's in the box. Yeah. To me, it looked like he was more looking at who's in the box and, like, you know, who, who can I cross it to? Um I mean, I suppose it doesn't really matter, does it? Um, you know, he'll he'll say he meant it. Like he'll say he meant it. Of course he will, um, and and he probably needs it for his confidence as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. Would you try that sort of thing if you were like not full of confidence? Because I'm guessing he probably wasn't full of confidence because you know mm-hmm. he's not had a great time there. I, I'm just not sure you'd try that if you know you haven't got much confidence. But I mean, he did. He did score in the week before. He got his first. Got his first Chelsea goal at um, Fulham. Was it? Yeah, at Fulham. But yeah, I do, I do know what you mean. I think um, people saying that he meant it. I feel like the because that video came out where it kind of looks like he has a look, but you can't really see what he's looking at. Um, that's kind of sparked a bit of debate. But I feel like with the way he kind of hits it, it's just it's more like he's sliced the cross and it's ended up going past Raya. Anyway, back to back to the whole goalkeeper Ramsdale Raya debate. It's, it, it is weird because. I remember Arsenal fans, some of my some of my mates kind of asking me before they signed Raya, you know, what's he like? Is he better than Ramsdale? I would always say yes, because I think um he's better just he's better with his feet. I think he's probably about level uh, in terms of shot stopping. But I always said to them he does have a big mistake in him sometimes. Maybe not maybe like you said, Craig, as all goalkeepers do, but um, you know, when goalkeepers make mistakes it's it's more consequential than when anyone else makes a mistake. Uh, has has Arteta kind of brought this on himself by ostensibly replacing a top-class goalkeeper who did very little wrong last season with another top-class goalkeeper in Raya. Craig, what, what, what do you think? What do you think about the whole situation? It is, it's a I, weird one. I, I, I agree 
I said it on Twitter, I said it on the socials when it happened. I said Raya's better than Ramsdale. In my opinion, Raya's a better goalkeeper than Ramsdale is. But you have to feel sorry for Ramsdale. He started every game. He went to international duty and he played for England. He came back to Arsenal and he hasn't started a game since. So, like, you've got to feel a little bit sorry for him. It's it's difficult when a club has got two very good goalkeepers. I mean, you look at anywhere else in the league, they've got their number one goalkeeper and then a backup. You haven't got a team that you look at with two goalkeepers in a in that are doing well. I mean, you look at United and they've got two dipsticks in goal at the moment anyway. So I think that you just got to feel sorry. I feel sorry for Ramsdale, but I understand the decision making from Arteta. What do you reckon, Dan? It, it, what's your what's your overriding feeling? Because for me, it, it it's just a little bit weird. I know we we kind of. I kind of thought to myself, if well, if you look at it this way, if he's replacing a top-class goalkeeper, he's strengthening a position of strength, essentially. Um, but I just, especially knowing that Ray is going to take a bit of time to settle in and the bond that Ramsdale has with the Arsenal fans, because he's a fan favourite, um, if he starts to make mistakes, then it just increases. I remember I saw Gary Neville talking about it on the on a podcast on Sky, and he was just talking about all he, all this has done is just increase the media attention around it. It's going to make them both more nervous for games, I think maybe. Um, Ramsdale is going to come want to come and come into the team with a point to prove, especially if he starts in the Champions League this week. But what what have you made of what of the whole situation, Dan? Yeah, well, I, first of all, I don't think Arteta really helped himself by when Raya came in. He he was talking as if like they were going to be rotating every week, whereas I think it's quite clear from the last like five, six, seven games that Raya is his number one. Um, but obviously he never he never he's never said that and I still don't think he said that. But um I suppose he's hoping that they'll push each other to become better and you know, they know that if they've got bad performances in them, mistakes in them, there's another good keeper behind them, um, you know, with that he can easily come in. But it can also go the other way quite easily and, you know, eat you up and you know, I think goalkeepers like to feel secure and like to feel you know, they're backed and, you know, that they know that they're the number one, and they can you know take a risk if they need to. Um, but but yeah, I, I I would say at his best, Ray is better just because of his distribution. Um, you know when he's not making mistakes, he's probably the better keeper because of that um, shot stopping. I think you know they're, they're quite close. But yeah, Mike, I think uh, as I, well. Go on. Mike, sorry, mate. Before you go on, you you mentioned it about the media and things like the social media and just the media in general about shedding light on this situation I feel like the most obvious point of the media going on about this is whenever something happens be it a good save, be it a mistake the camera always pans to Aaron Ramsdale on the bench I remember seeing the Spurs one where he's clapping <laughs> but you can see when there's a mistake that and the camera pans to Ramsdale, he's trying not to react, it, you know in his head he's going, I'd have caught that or that wouldn't have happened to me but it's that the media shining a light on that side of things is what is what makes this topic a little more controversial than it actually needs to be yeah but i feel like arteta's kind of because he because he would have known when it when he's replacing ramsdale fan favorite one of the best goalkeepers in the league last year when he's replacing ramsdale with another keeper he's he knows that media attention is going to come do you know what i mean oh yeah 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 100%. yeah exactly so that's that's what I'm thinking. He's like kind of brought it on himself. Um, but yeah, got some good clips there, guys. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. But just just before we do move on, um, 
what one of the better I mentioned at the, t- at the top of this section, you know, some of the terrible football takes that have been going on at the moment, uh, with regards to supporting teams from a from a from lower down the leagues or supporting smaller clubs. One of the benefits of supporting a smaller club is that we can do a section like this every week because we not only watch Brentford when they're in League One, League Two, whatever, but we also watch Arsenal every week because they're always on bloody telly. So I'm going to clip this up and send it to that podcast and tell him I can be a proper football fan and we have a more well-rounded perspective on football because not only do we watch Brentford through thick and thin, which goes from League Two to the chat to the to the Premier League, but we also watch teams like Arsenal and Chelsea and United and City and all the rest of them. So we can have opinions on both. So that guy, bit of a tosser, but but we'll move on. Um, going on to Chelsea, Craig, I'll come to you first because I remember you saying how much you've been reveling in their in their recent despair. They picked it up over the last couple of weeks, though. Um, how, how are you feeling going into Saturday? We that I thought they were largely the better team against Chelsea, despite against uh, Arsenal despite throwing it away in the, in the last kind of 10 minutes or so? To be honest, even ignoring the last two seasons that we've been there, winning 2-0, winning 4-1, I, I, I hate to say it, I'm never confident going to Stamford Bridge just because they're, they're the team that their fans don't know what's going to happen, let alone we're going to know what's going to happen. We don't know what team is going to step out onto that pitch and what kind of performance that they're going to put in. They're so hot and cold. Like you just said, they, they were fantastic, I thought, against Arsenal. Probably should have come away with three points. But those lapses in concentration where they can see two very sloppy goals make me think that if we're on our game, we could punish them in the same way that Arsenal did and the same way that we have done before. Yeah, I've, I've been a bit critical of them <laughs> recently. I'm hoping it doesn't come around to bite me in the ass. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's definitely going to be tricky with with their kind of recent turnaround. You could say I, I can't believe how badly Arsenal played, but they still managed to get a point at the bridge on on Saturday uh, because I thought Chelsea were actually really good and they've got some players hitting form. Sterling's coming back into good form. Cole Palmer's been good recently. Obviously, Mudrick's got now got two two and two. Dan, I know we've had some great times at the bridge as as Craig alluded to. What what are you expecting on Saturday? At the back of my head, I always say to myself, we can't keep winning at Chelsea. But honestly, I don't think that has any bearing on like an individual game. Like logically thinking about it, like we can win, just like we could win last year, and we did. Um, I, I think it, it depends whether they take their chances because I think they can be quite wasteful as well. I, I don't think they have a goal scorer really in their team. I know Sterling, when he gets going, can get a few, but um, yeah, I think if we if we are hard to break down I think out of the big teams Chelsea may find it hardest to break us down um, you know they have a few tricky w- wingers I, I think um, Rosser will probably be needed instead of Adja to defend Madrid, um because he's a bit quicker and more skillful um, so yeah I can, I can see what they'll try to do I mean they're obviously a very young team that will only get better but um, you know, I, I think we're quite, you know, we're quite savvy and we're quite good against these top teams, you know, and we're quite good at, you know, knowing how to break them down and, you know, setting up like disciplined. Yeah. Craig, are you are you going to make any changes? You just, Dan just alluded to Russell potentially coming in for Aya. Um, I thought I was really good on Saturday and as as was everyone, everyone was kind of a 10 out of 10, but I do kind of see a point. I was quite, uh, Russell quite good in these one-on-one situations but he doesn't offer that much going forward. But is that going to be somewhere that you think you might change? Um, in terms of the front three, I don't think we can change just because of how 
dynamic and and fluid they were on Saturday. But anywhere else on the pitch where you might might make some changes, I personally wouldn't make any changes. I feel like the confidence and the momentum from this Burnley game should be then carried on into this weekend. However, having watched Brentford for a very long time and obviously watched Thomas Frank's football for a very long time, we're going to go to a back five. Yeah. So <clears throat> Malpais is not going to not going to start. We're going to go to a back five, and it'll be a front two of Wissarin and Bomo. Um, wouldn't surprise me if Roslev starts left. Oh no, Hickey's back, isn't he, this weekend? So yes, Hickey yeah. will obviously start on the left. Um, I don't think he should, but I think he will start Ben Mee. Obviously, Ben Mee was on the bench this weekend, and I think he'll come back in. Although I think it should be a centre back three of Pinnock, uh, Collins and Ayer and then Roslev at right back or the right wing back, whichever position we're going for. I wouldn't make any changes, but realistically, we all know we're going back to that five for this game. Yeah, it's quite harsh on Morpay, to be fair, because we kind of wax lyrical about him the whole episode and how it was a complete performance bar getting a goal. But now you kind of raise that point about going to a back five, it is very unlikely that he'd... uh, He'd make an appearance. It might be someone to bring off the bench, um, maybe a bit earlier, considering how well he played on Saturday. But it's going to be—I think it's going to be a kind of similar game to the one we played against them last year, because our team hasn't changed too much. Obviously, Rico Henry—can't remember if he did play last year against them, but I imagine it would be largely the same team, bar sort of Collins and Raya, because we—I know because Tony was there as well. Don't worry what I'm saying. I'm, I'm chatting loads <laughs> of shit. <laughs> it's not going to be the same team, but it's, I feel like it might be the same kind of game, especially if we go to a back five. We're going to be difficult to break down. We're going to play on the counter, have Wissa and Abumo going going up top. Uh, final thoughts ahead of Chelsea, Dan? Um, I think it's just... I think it's definitely good we won last week, so I think it takes the pressure off. And, you know, it's another one where we probably go there and we probably don't necessarily expect to win again. Um, or maybe we do, if we, you know, considering our recent record. But you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I think the pressure's off. We can go there, be hard to beat, and you know, definitely come away with at least a point. I don't see why we can't do that. Um, yeah, just I mean, Chelsea in the Arsenal game showed their strength and their weaknesses um, with how they threw it away as well. You know, they're they're quite young and inexperienced, and I think we can use our know-how from the last two and a bit years in the Premier League to you know, definitely get something. Let's hope so. It's my birthday the next day. So uh, if anyone's listening, Brentford related, please, please put a shift in. I know the last time someone said that on this podcast, it was Callum's birthday and we went and did what we did at Man United. So <laughs> please not that again. All right. Because that will really not ruin my birthday. It will ruin my whole fucking year. Anyway, <laughs> Elon Red podcast will be back in a couple of days of a more in-depth preview of the game against Chelsea. Uh, we're going to be linking up with another podcast. We'll be hearing from them to get a more kind of in-depth look at at them ahead of the game on Saturday is something we're going to start doing more regularly because I feel like especially with the teams like Burnley where you don't really know too much about them I felt like the guy Joe from Turfcast that came on last week offered a, a good bit of insight into teams that I wouldn't know too much about whereas I know it's with Chelsea we do because we kind of alluded to it earlier we do kind of watch these teams every week but regardless I think it's a good to get like a kind of fans perspective it tells you more you know we kind of watch Chelsea on the TV but I'm not so tuned in to what Chelsea fans say on Twitter and you know, how their fans feel about their season. So it's definitely an angle we're going to explore some more. So look out for that. It'll be coming out in the next couple of days. Uh, remember, guys, just before we go, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, please do subscribe to our YouTube and Spotify channels. Uh, leave a rating on those channels as well. And also give us a follow on our socials. That's at the Elim Road on Twitter and at Elim Road Pod on Instagram. Cheers, guys. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of days.
Social Podcast Network.